Good morning. Well, we've been on this little journey for the last few weeks, or actually over quite some time, and, and hopefully you're seeing how this works out in our lives in very practical ways, because it really, really does. And the objective of all of this is that we understand this incredible transformation that God does in our life when we come into the relationship with Him and began this journey in faith, this walking out His truth in such a way that it's real. And, and it's so real that others are, are knowledgeable, are aware that that realness is there in our lives as we do life every day. So we did this list that came from a series we did years ago on Wednesday night. And we're at this place now where there's this holy discontent. There's this disconnect. Because when you look at Christendom today, you see that a lot of folks start and start well, but don't finish well, sadly. And so what I'd like for us to hopefully prayerfully get in this is, why is that happening? And then what can we do about that so that it doesn't happen to us? And with that being the case, we looked at this truth. Jesus replied, the question was, what is the greatest commandment of all? And you're saying, we've heard this before. Well, guess what? You're going to hear it again too. Because when Jesus says, this is the greatest thing of all, guess what it is? The greatest thing of all. Okay, so the greatest thing of all is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Start right there. How am I in my love relationship with God? Is it more about him? Or to be really honest, is it more about me? And we'll talk about that some when we get to prayer this morning, what prayer really is. And the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's what you're going to get as we walk through a different verses today. And by the way, I'm going to, Chris says when he was doing the PowerPoint for me, he said, there is no way you can stop on every one of those slides and do what you normally do because we'll never get done. Well, I eat breakfast. I don't usually eat breakfast on Sunday, but I said, I'm going to be here a while today. So I'm going to have and ate breakfast just so you know. Just kidding. The whole point of this is that when we come into this relationship with God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, selfishness has to go and selflessness is what's demonstrated in our lives and how we do life. So this is the first thing. The second one is, Jesus said, all authority is in heaven and on earth has been given to me. First was the great command, this is great commission. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, he is not talking just to those who he may have called into ministry. He is talking to all those who come into the kingdom, and we're all disciples in his kingdom, that we're making other disciples. And it says of all nations, there is no respecter of person. There's no respecter of gender. It's nothing about ethnic origin. It is 
Every person is a candidate for discipleship if we fulfill the great commission that God has given us through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, he says, I'm with you always. is isn't left us. The great command, love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. The great commission, make disciples of all nations, has not gone away. And he's with us until the very end of the age. Now, so that being said, I want to go back to what we did last week about the Holy Trinity and the unholy Trinity. Again, we're not going to give the enemy more due than we should just to be knowledgeable that we have an enemy. He is out to destroy us, out to destroy our families. And we'll talk more about that in a moment too, how that's coming about. But first of all, our goal is what? Every person to be mature in Christ. Now, what does that mean? Okay, how many of you here have adult children? Raise your hand. Okay. Should I do this? Yeah, I'm going to do it. How many of your adult children act like adults? Is, don't we kind of think that's normal? And if, you, and if you didn't raise your hand, you're going, oh my God, what happened? Have you, have you heard the little saying, if you do a good job raising your kids, you get to enjoy your grandchildren. If you do a poor job raising your kids, you get to raise your grandchildren. I think there's truth in that. We've seen it too many times. But the whole objective of everything we do is that every person's mature. Now, that being said, how do we judge if someone is mature, even as an adult? Because Paul says, when I was a child, I acted like a child. I was childish. But as an adult, I put away those childish things. That means what? Back to our, the little thing I gave you last week. I hope you wrote it down. It's very profound. It came directly from me. Well, from God to me to you. Okay. We do not live by our feelings, but we live by the filling of the Holy Spirit. I feel like I could have another chocolate chip cookie. Okay, I'm talking about my world, okay? But how many people do such crazy things because that's what their feelings are telling them to do? Now, God gave us feelings. It isn't that we don't have them, but they do not control us. But instead, it is the Holy Spirit of God that controls us that's why we talk about we're not controlled by our feeling, feelings, but by the filling of the Holy Spirit. And we'll put away childish things. Okay, I'm on it. Let me work on it a little bit. How many of you get a, well, don't raise your hand. That'd be embarrassing. How many of you get offended easily? That's childishness. Just so you know. That's childishness. How many of you think you should always get your way? Oh, that's childishness. In fact, it really smacks against everything we just talked about in the previous verses of the selflessness of Christ and how that is manifested in our lives. All right, so we're going to go back to the unholy trinity, the world, the flesh, the devil, just for, just for a little bit. Walk through this scripture. I'm not going to spend a lot of time because we want to get to the other side of this. 
So I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's the same thing as you will not continue to give in to your feelings because that's what will control you if you're allowed to do so. The flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit here. That's why so many times you have that conflict in you because the Holy Spirit of God is trying to speak to you, minister to you, guide you, direct you, and you're going, I want what I want and want it now. Because we're childish in so many ways. The Spirit is contrary to the flesh. So if I give in to the flesh, and the old adage on that is, how do you know which one's going to win? The spirit of the flesh, it depends on which one you feed. The one that's going to be the strongest is going to be the one that you feed. There's a conflict. What you want, but if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. See, that's the, that's the amazing difficulty for us. Wait a minute. I'm truly free only when I'm under the control of the Holy Spirit. It's like, doesn't that seem kind of backwards? Like, wouldn't it be free when I can do whatever the heck it is I want to do whenever the heck it is I want to do it? Wouldn't that be freedom? No, because typically when we make those kind of choices, we lend ourselves to walking in places we shouldn't walk, doing things we shouldn't do. And as a result of that, we end up with consequences that are truly difficult for life. The acts of the flesh are these. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Debauchery. Idolatry. I'm going to pause for a moment. Idolatry. I've explained this before. I feel like I need to do it again today. Idolatry is when you worship something more than you worship God. God convicted me years ago. That I was guilty of idolatry. I'm thinking, I don't have any idols in the house. I don't have, you know, because I've studied all this stuff for years and years. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit that day was the reason you're guilty of idolatry is because you're spending more time thinking and being concerned about your problems than you are focusing on me. And so I had to confess and repent. And sadly, I've had to do that a few times since then as well. But I'm not going to live as an idolater, okay? And then witchcraft. And most people, when they hear this in this list that Paul gives, they think, oh, easy for me. I, that's one I don't do. I'm not into witchcraft. I'm not in all that junk. You know what, what witchcraft is? In the Old Testament, it says witchcraft is, or, is the same as rebellion, it's rebelling against the truth of God. In fact, as it's demonstrated in certain personalities throughout the scripture, it is revealed as, listen to this now, manipulation and intimidation. To what end? To gain control. So, this week, we're going to put a link to a video series on the newsletter on Wednesday. And this historian, Christian historian, talks about world order and how these things have come to be and how they are today. He does a really good job. Please look that up. And in it, he talks about how rulers 
and governments have used this to bring control. So it works like this. I give you free stuff, but you owe me. And if you're not willing to take the free stuff, what I will do is I will bring things into your life to cause fear so ultimately I can still control you. And he gives the illustration of a drug addict who goes in the community and starts giving out free drugs. And those who are addicted to those drugs take those drugs and think, man, this is cool. I get free drugs. And then the guy comes back and says, now pay me or you're going to die. That's called manipulation, intimidation. And it is rampant in our world today. If you just take a little time to look at things as they are, you will find that that is true on a broad spectrum. And... In our homes, where one person wants to control things, and so there's manipulation and intimidation, and it goes on everywhere. So don't think that's something rare when you see that word witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy. Jealousy is crazy today. I mean, all this stuff is, and it's all wrong, but I'm just saying, like, I'm supposed to have everything that everybody else has. Well, I got news for you. I don't want everything that everybody else has. Why would I? But it's still true today. Well, they got a nicer car. I want want their car. They got a nicer house. I want, you know, they have a nicer family. I want their family. It's... It's real simple. Do the work. <laughs> you know, don't just sit and want what they have. Do the work and have what God wants you to have. You see, one of the reasons we have a problem in our world with uh, contentment is because it's back to feeling rather than filling. I'm just telling you, it's all true. And this stuff gets, you know, pretty nasty. Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And guess what happens? And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, you say, wait a minute. I messed up one time. Does that throw me out? See, we're not talking about grace here. We're not talking about what God does for our salvation we're talking about the fact that when someone's life is so identified, you guys remember when in the small towns they would call somebody what? In fact, it was on um, Andy Griffin's show. They had what? The town drunk. Otis. Everybody apparently knows Otis. I hope you're not Otis, but. Yeah, you've been hanging out with Otis, okay. <laughs> Because his life was identified by his addiction. And, and by the way, those first two songs we sang today, which were, I thought about the blessings of God and how they come down. You know, we talk sometimes, not a lot, but about the curses that come through our generational lines. There are blessings that come through our generational lines. In fact, a friend of mine wrote a book called The Relentless Generational Blessings. That God will literally, he's trying to run us down to give us the good stuff. Because he loves us that much. All right, so... That's the bad news. That's the discontent. That's the disconnect. When we let our flesh rule and reign, when we let our feelings be in control, we will find ourselves 
doing the things on this list. But brokenness. So I worked on that. So, okay, how can we make this contrast? How can we, where can we go? And this is where Chris said, you're going to get in trouble today because I picked a whole chapter. Matthew chapter 6. How many of you know that Jesus preached all the time, but he had two really famous sermons? The first one was the Sermon on the Mount. This is one chapter. There are three chapters in Matthew, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 that talk about that is him preaching on the mountain, which is called the Sermon on the Mount. And then later, the upper room discourse that he preaches with his disciples when he's getting ready to go to the cross. But right in the middle of this, I said, okay, let's look at this. And I started praying over it because... If we look at this as, oh my God, I got a really big to-do list here, it's going to create a problem. But instead, when we're living this life that God has given us and we're doing this in the presence and power and work of the Holy Spirit, then it is absolutely amazing how we're able to do this in such a gracious way. But look what it says. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So what is that saying? When we practice our righteousness, we do it unto God and not to get the recognition of others. In other words, in the life of every Christian, there is humility. Because we've humbly submitted ourselves to God. We've humbly submitted ourselves to the rule of Christ and the reign of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And because of that, Father God sees, and by the way, so you know, He sees us all the time. It's not just when you're in here, it's when you're at home with your family, behind closed doors, it's when you're at work. But it's also at night when the lights are out and the stuff that we do or don't do. He sees us. He knows. It's not like, man, I pulled that one over on God because I turned the lights on. He can't see in the dark. So when you give to the needy, do not announce with the trumpet as the hypocrites do in the synagogues on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Okay, uh, just hit pause for a second. Think that Jesus is preaching what is now known as one of his most famous messages. And as he gets into the heart of it, he says, when you give. <laughs> He doesn't say, I checked it, it's in the Greek too. He doesn't say, if you give. Did you guys hear that? Yeah, when, thank you very much. It's when you give, not if you give. Why would Jesus make such a big deal of giving? Because giving reveals the true heart of the person. That's why. And when you give, you're not doing it to get honored. In fact, if you think about it, a couple things about giving. When Jesus went to the synagogue, where did he hang out? By the treasure. Because when the folks came out, they would put their money in. 
And Jesus even made the point. Now, remember this. It's not to be honored by men, but this little old lady, this little widow lady is coming by, and she puts in her little bit of offering, and Jesus says, stop the presses. She did more than all you guys put together. Why? Because she gave out of her need. In other words, what he's saying was she gave in obedience to what God told her to do. You guys are just, you know, you, you're paying a penance. You know, you're, you're coming by and everybody's watching you. <laughs> you know, put it in. Well, wait a minute. Some of you don't even do that. So we've got a little problem there. But anyway, I'll, I'll trust the Holy Spirit to take care of that one. But then go to the founding of the New Testament church. What was the first punishment handed out by the Holy Spirit in the New Testament church? Somebody who lied about their giving. You're saying, now you're just, you're just picking on us. And I'm telling you what the Word of God says. We said this is journey in truth. And you're going to have to decide who really is in charge of our finances. And if it's not God, you're in trouble. And you can have a whole lot of money. You really can. But I can promise you this before God, that if you don't let him in and let him lead you and guide you with biblical principles of finances, you will end up in a really bad place. You say, well, there are people in this world who have tons of money. Have you, have you looked at their lives? It's like, I tell people this, I say, listen, I have done counseling with the folks in the big house on the hill and the folks and the shanty down in the valley. And the problems are not really that different. Because the human condition is the human condition. So I believe when Jesus starts in this message. After he talks about some relational issues. About giving. I think there's a serious issue here. And it demonstrates what my real heart is. So when you give to the needy. Do not. Oops. Wrong way. Sorry. I'm, I got it right. Do not let your. <clears throat> Okay, hang on, I'm going to get there. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what it does, what is done in secret, will reward you. And again, remember, Jesus went to the offering and watched it being done. Now, what was it? When you give, right? Is that what it said? All right, let's just stop. Can you say that with me? When you give, let's try that again. When you give, not if you give. Now, notice what this is. When you pray, not if you pray. Jesus is helping us, revealing to us the things that are on his heart and on the Father's heart. And the Holy Spirit will guide and lead us into so that we can honor him in all of our life. It says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For what? They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the streets and the corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. All right. <clears throat> A little history lesson. In the Jewish culture, they would call for prayer several times a day. And they would sound it out. Wherever you were, you would stop and pray. So some of these guys, and you prayed out loud. 
And some of these guys like to get public recognition for how wonderful they were when they prayed. And so it would just so happen they would, that they would be on the most popular street corner when prayer time came. It's the busy place. Everybody stops. And this guy starts praying. And everybody goes, ooh, man, listen to him pray. That old boy can pray, can he? Let's him pray. God says, those people saying how good he was at what he was doing was all he's going to get. So when you pray, do this. Go to your room, close the door. Now, understand as we read the scripture, go to your room and close the door. Most of them didn't really have a lot of doors. So the whole idea behind this is to have a place where you would just be quiet with God and spend your time in relationship with him. Pray to your father who is unseen, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward it. So here's what many of them would do. They would stop where they were and they would go into prayer position. They would literally cover their heads. They had enough robes or whatever on to do that. And they would cover, and that was their secret place. And they'd just spend time with God in there during the prayer time. So find your secret place. Find your best places. I have places in this county. Now, my home is wonderful, and, and that's my place to pray. I come out here. I was out here early this morning right here praying. Uh, but there are places in the county that I just love to go and pray. There's just something about those places that it usually involves water, just so you know, because I have an attraction to water. But I can just go there and have these incredible places and times of prayer. And these places have incredible times of prayer. Find the places for you. Mine may or not be yours. That's why I'm not telling you where mine are. I, you know, right now, it's secret. I don't, I don't want to get all crowded. No, just kidding. But as I spend that time, it says, when you pray, meaning when you spend time with me, that's how you get to know me. If your kids come in and all they ever do is ask you for something, what do you think? Oh, somebody speak up. What do you think? What? Self and using me. Okay. In other words, it's me, 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 me. And guess what? We've been doing this for so long now in our country, particularly that a lot of the young people, I'm going to be very quick to say not all of them, thank God, but a lot of them are about me, 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 me. Right? And how wrong that is. In fact, you would begin to wonder, do my kids really love me? All they ever do is come and ask for something. They don't ever want to spend time with me unless I'm doing something or giving them something. So what about Father God? He says, the only time I see them is when they want something. You know, they don't bother to express love and appreciation and gratitude to me. Back to the giving, that's part of it, is expressing our gratitude to God for how much he has given us and how he has blessed us. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Remember, um, back in the day in the old movies, shows were like... um, I'm trying to think where the, the jungle natives would just be, you know, doing all sorts of crazy stuff because they somehow thought their God would 
would be paying attention because they're making a lot of noise. And that's just not the case with our God. He is waiting for us. He longs for us to spend time with him, to build that relationship and to enhance that intimacy. All of that to bring glory and honor and praise to him. So here's how you should pray. I encourage you, if you do not do this now, starting today, pray this prayer. This is not vain babbling. Pray this prayer every day. I've told you guys before, I pray this prayer once a day at least, more than that. In fact, it's so much of my life that Sheila, as an anniversary present, had, it in, had a ring, bought me a ring that has it engraved on it. It's real small. I need a magnifying glass to read it, <clears throat> but it's there. Because this prayer is a part of my life. It's an integral part of my life and how uh, every day I want to honor and glorify him. So all of this is walking this life out that God has given us. It's so amazing, so wonderful. Our father, he's my daddy. He's my daddy. He loves me. I love him. Do I mess up sometimes? I do. It's, it's embarrassing that I do because he's my daddy. And one of the songs a while ago is, I, you know, how faithful he's been through my life and all the incredible stuff that he's done. But sometimes I let the feelings get in the way and mess up. But I come back and here he is. And, and he, he's so gracious to forgive as I confess and repent. And because I really want his kingdom to be done in my life and the life of those around me on earth and in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven others. Now, Bill's going to spend some time on this in a, in a few weeks uh, on forgiveness. But I want to just kind of jump into something here because we, we talked about marriage. And we have this, they're calling it now the gray divorce revolution. The gray divorce revolution, because the percentages of divorces of people over 50 and even over 65 is astronomically going up. Well, guess what? If there was forgiveness, I think that might not happen. So she and I have been looking at this, and so she happened across an interview with a lady who was 70 years old. And she says, and here's why I'm divorcing my husband. He's a great man. He's a great husband. He's a great provider. But we just don't have things in common anymore. So I'm divorcing him. It sounds like back to me, 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 doesn't it? We're, I can't tell you how grateful I am for the long marriages we have in this church family. And in this community too. It's not just here. And one of the reasons that we have brought grace marriage into this church and the reason we do the marriage retreats every year is to help people to build their marriages so they are strong and can continue through the years. And one of the issues, or maybe I should say one of the things that's addressed is the fact that your kids will not be there forever because a lot of these divorces take place when the kids leave home and mom and dad are looking at each other 
more as mom and dad rather than husband and wife because they have invested all this in their kids. Nothing wrong with that. You want to love your kids and invest in them. But guess what? At the end of the day, they're not the priority. Oh, my God. He said that in public. I remember as a kid when you had a meal at your house and people were invited over. Guess who ate last? The kids. If there was something left over. I remember this I remember the story of the family that invited the pastor when he was rather large. And it was still in that time and world where, you know, the kids were not first priority. And two little boys were talking. They said, he's going to eat all the chicken. And we know he is. He's going to eat all the chicken. And when it was all said and done, they got the gizzard. <laughs> they, were, they were prophetically true. <laughs> he's going to eat all the chicken. Well, that's wrong. Okay, I'm saying that's that's not right. But we've changed this priority where the kids eat first. I'm just telling you, that wasn't where I was raised. Now, I'm not saying it was always right. But it it let us know that we were not, we were not the, the big deal that our kids are today. Our kids are wonderful. You know we celebrate children. We celebrate family here. We celebrate grandchildren particularly. But all of this comes back to if you forgive other people, well, the, one of the people you may need to forgive is your mate. And how do you do that? The people who've sinned against you. Your heavenly father will forgive you see we're holding unforgiveness we've talked about this so much like say i'm 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 just gonna hit it i'm gonna move on we talk about so much when we hold unforgiveness we're hurting ourselves not the other person or in so many cases now we're seeing marriages hurt and by the way who gets hurt the most when there's divorce the kids yeah the ones that are supposed to be our priority the kids but if you do not forgive others their sins your father will not forgive yours it's a priority to forgive when you give when you pray when you fast yes i said the four letter dirty word in church fast part of our relationship and intimacy with god is the fact that we will choose to sacrifice even food, if that's what God leads us to do, because he is our first priority. But he says, when you do it, remember back the guys who would, you know, throw the money in, make sure everybody sees. Remember the guys who would stand on on the street corners and pray real loud prayers to be heard? He said, when you fast, don't walk around with a big old sad face. You okay, brother? Yeah, I'm fasting. No, what do you do? That's what the hypocrites do. They put on a front. They want everybody to see how spiritual they are, how they're just so into God. God says, well, that's not the way I see it. Don't disfigure your face. Instead, they've received their full reward. In other words, when we do stuff to get acknowledgement here, that's it. That's reward. Somebody walks up and says, hey, good job. 
because we did it for the wrong motive, that's a reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head. I guess in in our day, that would be hairspray. (laughs) Wash your face. It's always a good idea. So it will not even be obvious to us, or I guess I should say for the ladies, put your makeup on. Obvious to others that you're fasting, but only your father who is in secret. He sees you. You will never know how many people in this church have fasted for other people in this church, and they never told them that they were doing it. They would see concerns, needs in their life that they knew were serious, and they would be led by God to fast for them and pray for them as they fasted, And never tell the person that they did it. I know that because I've talked to enough people who have done that. That is, you don't know how huge that is in a church fellowship. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And I'm going to stop right there. You're right, Chris. And we'll come back next week and work on more of this chapter 6. In the meantime, if you would, read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So you'll know, if you don't know, everything that Jesus taught while he was on the earth is touched on in those three chapters of Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And so as you read those three chapters, you get a, what's, clip notes, Of all the ministry of Jesus while he was on the earth. And even to the point that it says in John that all that he did is not written down because there isn't room to write it all down. Folks, God is working his work in our lives. He is doing that grace work that transforms us in amazing ways so that As our life is lived out according to his will, his kingdom is advanced and others are brought into the light of his truth by the way we live and the way we talk because that's the ministry the Holy Spirit through us for them. And I'm telling you, it is amazing to me how God will put people in front of me to talk to them about the things of God. I mean, I'm telling you, when we walk this out, you will be absolutely thrilled and amazed. And some of you are, so I know I'm preaching to the choir, as the old saying used to be. But for all of us to do that, where we're all in this place, in this time in our lives, that we're demonstrating the maturity of God that he has placed in us as we've grown up in our faith. And how that life, that one life that you, that you have can make the difference in so many other lives. What a privilege. What a blessing. What an honor God has given us. Would you please stand as we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
You've given us life. You've given us liberty. You've given us forgiveness and grace and love. But the most precious, precious thing you've given to us as your children is your presence. And let us live it every day. Every day. Holy Spirit, fresh filling, fresh anointing on your kids. That the light of Christ can be revealed in our community and beyond. Our world is getting darker and darker. Our light is getting brighter and brighter. Thank you for the privilege of being the ones you've chosen to live in this time in world history. We celebrate it and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.